This week on Physics Twist. The world is blessed with a superworm equinox moon. A new coral reef has revealed itself in the waters of Italy. And some wheelie good news from the musical world of cheese. Should we jump in? Mm. Let's jump in. All right. What's on, Watson? Quill, great news. What's the news? It's a very special day today. It's not my birthday. No, it's not mine either. But there are other types of special day. Mm? Uh, Today is actually the equinox. Ooh. Ooh, The equinox. Sounds magical. It does. It actually feels like one of those sort of pagan celebrations where you should like get up and dance around in a circle around a fire pit or something like that. Mm. Do you get that vibe at all or no? I do because it's got an axe in it. (laughs) Okay. Whatever works for you. Um, But since it is the equinox today, I thought we would talk about it because... I actually didn't have any idea what it was. Oh. Do you do you know what the equinox is? Well, see, I have a little bit of a knowledge of these things, having oh, okay. grown up as a hippie. Oh, you did do that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. With so, the moon, the, the stars, the planets, these kind of things. Did you do any equinoxial celebrations? I did not. Okay. Other than getting up before the sun. Does that count? No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I haven't. What about the solstice? Well, usually I like to spend the solstice. Either outdoors or indoors. Okay. Depending on if it's the winter <laughs> it's or the summer any solstice. Day. <laughs> no, no, if it's the summer solstice, longest day outside, yep. winter solstice, shortest day. Cool. So now okay. we know what the solstice is. There we go. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so today being the equinox, I thought we were talking about the equinox, and I discovered, mm-hmm. which is weird that I don't know this because I'm a kind of a space guy and this is a space-related thing. Yeah. But the equinox is when the sun this is how it's defined. When the sun crosses the plane of the Earth's equator. Okay. okay? Basically, it's the moment at which the center of the sun mm-hmm. is directly above the equator. Cool. Okay. Now, you know, for all intents and purposes, that might mean nothing to you. But pragmatically speaking, that basically means that the day and the night are exactly the same length ah. all across the world. Okay. I see. That's 12 cool. hours of each. I think that's right. Yeah, should be yeah. right. Um However, you might notice today on the equinox day that you actually get a lot more sunlight than you would daylight. Okay. So even though it's supposed to be exactly equal length. Yeah. In reality, you'll get much more sunlight than you will. Okay. Night light. Night light? Yes. <laughs> so they don't appear that way. And it's like, well, hold on. The equinox specifically says that they should be equal. What's, yeah. what's the go? Same couple thing. A couple of factors involved there. Mm-hmm. The angular size of the sun. Of course. Yes, which differs depending on where you are on the earth. Yeah. Um, and then something called atmospheric refraction. Right. Atmospheric refraction can like kind of explains the color of the sunset yep. and why the moon appears different colors sometimes yep. and all that sort of stuff. So like even Makes though sense. the sun has disappeared over the horizon, yeah, you'll often notice like after dusk it's still light. Yeah. And that's because the light is still shining through the the atmosphere. Yeah. And you Makes still sense. see a lot of that that light. It kind of bends through. Yeah, it's kind it's of like. Yeah, it's kind of like looking at um, a TV from yeah. an angle. You can still see it. You can still see it. It just looks a bit sort of fuzzy and yeah. weird. Cool. Exactly. I like that. So that's what's going on. So, yes, March 21st, which is the day of recording, it mm-hmm. is, yes, is the equinox day. Very cool. Um, and as we discussed, there are also the solstices, which are either the longest or shortest days of the year. Yeah, that's so right. The winter solstice, which in the southern hemisphere is the shortest day of the year, will be on June 21st. Yep. And then we have the summer solstice in the that's like the same day as the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere, which is their longest day of the yes. year. Yeah. And our longest day of the year will be on December twenty 
Usually. Yeah. It's about that. 21, yeah. 22, something like that. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the solstice is that the sun will basically stand still at either the north or the south pole ah. and then appear to reverse direction oh. of the seasonal movement. Cool. It's backing is, off. It's backing. It's heading yeah, away. Exactly. Which I think is super cool. Yeah. But so today is an extra special day. <gasps> because in addition to the equinox, we also have a supermoon. Ooh. And we all know what supermoons are, right? Right? Let's refresh our audience. Okay. <laughs> so the supermoons happen when the moon is full mm-hmm. and especially close to the Earth. It's yep. not a sort of proper astronomical term. Basically, there's an astronomer who came up with it in like the 70s and he's like, what if there was a moon but it was like heaps big? It's a supermoon. Because <laughs> it looks super big. <laughs> yeah, it's a supermoon. Yeah, uh, and that seems to be the, the term that we use for it now. Uh-huh. But basically, kind of like in the way that the Earth's orbit around the sun is not, mm-hmm. a, is not actually a circle, yep. the moon's orbit around the Earth is not a circle either. It's actually an ellipse. Yeah sort of egg-shaped, which means that the distance um, between the Earth and the Moon actually varies a lot. Mm-hmm. So at its furthest distance, it's about 406,000 kilometres away. Okay. And at its closest distance, it's 356-ish. So a pretty big difference. Yeah, that's 50,000 kilometre difference. So no distance. wonder it looks so super when it's at the closest point in its orbit. Exactly. Yeah. It's massive. It's 50,000 kilometres Closer. Yeah. Which, got, I mean, how many football fields is that? That's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. We haven't done that one in a while. No. Um, so the furthest uh, distance away, it's, it's got a special name with it, which is its apogee. And when it's at its closest, that's called the perigree. Mm. And so when it's at its perigree, it looks about 15% bigger and 30% brighter than a full moon at its furthest distance away. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So it just so happens that we have a supermoon. On the equinox. Cool. So you'd think we'd call it a super equinox moon. But no, Mm -hmm. we've gone one step further because supermoons in the Northern Hemisphere, they have sort of special names. Okay. Some of which come from the Native Americans. Oh. Um, And this one coincides with the time when the earthworms begin to emerge from the winter soil Ah, as it thaws. Okay. So whenever I used to think of superworm moons. Have you heard that phrase before? Hippie. Oh, right. Yeah. We've been through this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always used to think it had something to do with, like, wormholes. Oh. And I don't know why. I just always assumed when you were thinking about celestial things, if you're going to add the phrase worm in there, it's yeah. going to do with a wormhole or some kind. Not that I knew how that moon related to wormholes, but it's I just, just always thought thing. that was what something to do with a wormhole yeah. moon as a, as That's a child. Def- it makes sense to me. That's yeah. definitely the sort of connection that I'm making in my head. Yeah. And that, I think that's why I think that super worm equinox moon sounds so cool. It does sound pretty cool. Because in your in your head, you're suddenly thinking, oh my God, what if the moon went through like a wormhole? That's, that's so, kind of what it's like. It's, so cool. it's gone through a wormhole and then it's way closer to us. So it looks bigger. Yeah. <laughs> popped out from the other <laughs> exactly. end of a wormhole. Yeah. But it's not actually happened. No, it's just a much more boring explanation, which is that it's egg-shaped. Yeah. Orbit. <laughs> um, so... There you go. That's uh, that's a super worm, super worm equinox moon. Cool. But good news, I think that is actually going to be the last super moon of 2019 because we've actually had, we've had a few. Mm-hmm. There was like there was like a blood moon at some point. Yeah, there, oh, um, there was a there was a super blood moon. Super blood moon. There was something else. Yeah. I like all the names. We've done it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the last one, which is, yeah, which is great. And we will not get another super worm equinox moon until 2030. So mark your calendars, folks. That's a while. 
I'm fine with it. I'll, I'll be, be like, proper old by then. Yeah, you really will. <laughs> and I'll turn 40 that year. Mm-hmm. You'll be proper old too. Mm-hmm. All right. No, no, no offense to our older listeners. We yeah, no, you. we love you and value you very much. <laughs> um, also, something I thought I mentioned uh, is that there's a new, this is like a space thing, mm-hmm. a new coin has come out Ooh. which commemorates- Is it a super worm coin? Oh, that'd be, it basically is, yes, actually. <laughs> it basically is in the wormhole sense. In the wormhole wow, sense. okay. Um, it's a, it's a, a coin that commemorates the life of Stephen Hawking. Excellent. I think it's a 50p, so it's like in the UK. Okay, right. 50p, yeah. 50 pence. 50p. Uh, and it has the most amazing design on it. It's got this um, It's got this black hole design <gasps> on it. So it genuinely looks like a super cool, it's like spiraling. It's a super worm coin. It's a super worm coin. That's awesome. <laughs> Good connection. I want a super worm coin. You should, yeah, okay. I'll put a link to it in the show notes because mm. it looks so cool. Like, you know how you see the coin, new like $5 note designs yeah. come out and you're like, oh, God, it looks lame. Yeah. This one. Really cool. So cool. I might put in an order to my cousin in, in the UK. Yeah, definitely. Tane, if you're frame. listening, we need some super worm coins sent over to Australia, please. Yeah. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> uh, shall we move on? Well, there's something. I've got something about space. Oh, yeah? But it's not really. It's kind of space and the earth. Space combined. and time. What so is it? it's space and environment linked. So it's like the perfect mishmash between what, these two sections. What uh, what segment is this then, Quill? This is called a beautiful connection between two segments. <laughs> okay. The segment. Yep. The uh, it's Earth Hour on right. March 30. So coming up soon. Oh, that's only just a week away. Yep. So what is Earth Hour again? The basic principle is you turn everything off for, for an, an hour. hour. <laughs> but if imagine if everyone turned everything off mm. for an hour, that's a, a big saving. It is a massive saving. Yep. Did we do this last year? Like as a so, you know, as a civilization, did we do it? Because I don't. Yeah, remember it's been it. going for a while. I know it's been going yeah. for a while, but I don't remember anything happening for it last year. Was it? I don't know if we did as a physics twist civilization, but maybe it definitely happened as an Earth-wide civilization. Okay, I will try to practice it. Yeah. This year. Excellent. And so should you, dear listener. You should. You should. Because it's actually quite a huge amount of energy. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about how, um, speaking of like, you know, turning things off to save energy, mm-hmm. you heard about that during like halftime during football games in um, in the UK, the power that's required to generate, uh, like to power homes goes up massively, specifically at like ad breaks or halftime during people games. People are weak? No, because people, everyone gets up at the same time to make a cup of tea. What? <laughs> it's absolutely true. And so they're like the power stations have to be ready for a huge increase in demand because everyone puts their kettle on at the same time. That's so funny. <laughs> Isn't that great? So British. I have heard that there's a similar thing with like halftime at the Super Bowl um, mm. and there's a huge amount of water. Maybe, yeah, water, right, because yeah. everyone gets up to go do a week. That's great. <laughs> That's I can just awesome. imagine there's like millions of people around the UK all going like, can you put the kettle on, love? Put the <laughs> Blackout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that um, was interesting. Next segment. We have got another day. Well, mm. sort of. Like, we have Earth Hour coming up, March 30. Um, but actually, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Is, is World Water Day. World Water Day. Yeah. So, the basic idea of World Water Day is looking at and trying to kind of identify all the issues of the water crisis, which basically means not everyone in the world has access to clean water and it really should be a human right. Oh, yeah. So World Water Day's idea is to kind of um, for everyone to get on board and think about what are the issues that 
um, we face with everyone having access to clean water and trying to address some of those issues. Is access to clean water not a human right? Like it's I think, in, yeah. It is a human right, yeah. right? But it's just that pragmatically speaking, that hasn't actually been implemented yet. Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is a, a very, tragedy. Yeah. Cool. Yep. But speaking of water, mm. something's been found under the water. Mm. Ah, I know where this is going. Yeah, so yep. got, my segues are out of control today. <laughs> You're just, just so smooth. <laughs> you. So something's been found under the water. In? In Italy. Oh. Okay. Oh. So. Something that's a little bit close to home, isn't it? It is For a little us, bit close to home. As Aussies. Because we we love our coral reefs. In fact, I think we have the best coral reefs, do we not? Well, we would think so. We like to think Other so. At least we do at the moment. It's not going so well, but anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Italy has found its first mm-hmm. coral reef. Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, they had them in the past in the Mediterranean, uh-huh. but they all kind of died out. Oh. So, Italy's found a new coral reef, and this reef is um, quite unusual and quite rare. Yes. Because it's a very hard to grow. <laughs> so, the- <laughs> I told you I was going to attempt it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this reef is very hard to grow, eh? Oh, see? <laughs> yep. Okay. Now, I can't... <laughs> so, the reef is it's not very hard to grow. It's hard to grow because it's a very deep reef, okay? So, mm. it's like between 35 and 50 metres deep. That's really deep. Yeah, it's very deep. Yeah. So, very How? little light gets to a reef at that, at that That's depth. That's almost half a football field down. That's <laughs> Are we talking soccer or football here? Because they're in Italy. They're <laughs> yeah. different lengths. Football. <laughs> okay. So it's two and a half kilometres wide mm-hmm. and it's between 35 and 50 metres deep. Yep. And um, it's actually what's called a mesophotic coral reef. Mesophotic. Yeah. Which means lower levels of light than normal. Oh, yeah. I, I'm with you. So uh, photic as in like photon, as in light. Yeah. Meso just means low or deep or something like that. Um, I mean, there is a... There is something, yeah, there's a definition for meso. It's, I mean, that's why we have meso in other definitions yeah. of layers and that kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe future Duncan can add that one in. Well, for just us. do it now. Or he can just Google it. While meso. he's doing that, I'm going to tell you what's so important about a mesophotic mm-hmm. coral reef, and that is that they have very subtle colouring. So, not this like fluoro reefs that we're used to over here. Mm. Reeves, I'm not sure if that's the. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> so, with it, this, these mesophotic coral reefs have very subtle colouring, so they're quite. Um, pale in comparison to the reefs we're used to. And this is because um, they are made of what's called non-symbiotic scleractinians. Scleractinians. Kind of sounds like an alien life It form. really does. Um, <laughs> we are the scleractinians from <laughs> Mesoland. <laughs> and this basically means they're stony coral um, that feed on organic matter that floats in the water, yeah. um, and which is a bit different to to what we find in our reefs. So we in – I said it again. It's Okay. So our reefs are much more colourful because we have got algae, like in the Barrier Reef, and these algae specifically in the Pacific areas, they feed on sunlight, they convert this to energy, and the algae are very brightly coloured. Now, obviously, because this one's so much deeper into the water, not the same kind of process is going on. These ones feed on organic matter in the water, not on sunlight. Okay. Yeah. So just to paint a picture of that, like you said, it's less brightly coloured. I think Mm -hmm. you'd describe them as being more pastel sort of colours. Yeah, and that's because there's a sort of a different... Metabolic process going on. Yeah, and the algae's obviously algae's have got a pretty good um, algae's because they're processing light. They're very easy to like to reflect 
lots of colored light, right? Because they're taking in light and, and they're using light for different things. They, there's lots of light processes going on mm. in the algae, whereas okay. the other ones are, yeah, they're this non-symbiotic scalatacterian. <laughs> so meso, by the way, as a prefix, yeah. we were correct. It does have a definition. Yes. And I'd like to tell you that definition now, Hit which me. is it basically means intermediate or middle. Right. So makes sense. What was the word that it was used in, in this context again? Mesophotic, which probably means meso meaning in the middle of the water, not the very, very, very deep part of the water where we have like those yeah. weird fish with lights, but totally. not the shallow part where we where have get other lots kinds of, of reefs. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. So it's an intermediate yeah. amount of light. I knew that it was something to do with the yeah, because I know that we have the meso layers as well. Yeah, and, and there's the like and stuff like that. So um, mesomere, mesomorph, um, mesothelium, of course, is yeah. Mesopotamia. Yeah, and mesomorphs, of course, is some of the intermediate phases in um, life cycles of things. There you go. See, it all makes sense. Dr. Perfect. Quill. There we go. On the microphone. On the mic. Cool. All right. Okay, now. Yes. Oh, yes. This is very, this is very interesting. Mm. And it's very interesting because it's always good to find new reefs. Like, we want to be finding more of these things. Um, it's got a new kind of ecosystem that we haven't, you know, there's not a lot of study done on these kind of ones because it's different in the middle kind of level kind of reef. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully it also can give us some really good insight into how reefs can survive when they're under tricky conditions. Okay. Which is important because we know climate change and all these other horrible things that are happening, our reefs are going to go uh, more and more being in tricky conditions. Oh. And this one might give us some insight into that because it's kind of had these adaptations uh, and it's grown in a way that it is available in low light conditions. That's a really so, interesting point. Yeah. So it's kind of like a case study mm. into how reefs or reefs, if you will, yeah. um, that are different from ours manage to survive yeah. or have adapted in yeah. some way. Which is really important. That's really cool. And then hopefully they might continue to find these because they didn't really know that yeah. they might be there. <clears throat> Right. Uh, yeah, so it's pretty interesting. And, and this work came from the University of Bari Aldo Moro right. in Italy. And how far off the Italian coast is it? Or is it like directly on sort of like just behind the beaches or something? I think it's very close. So um, it I've actually forgotten his name, but the gentleman who is leading this research from the, that university in Italy um, said that it's really close to home and he's mm. been all over the world studying reefs and then they found, suddenly found this really awesome one that was super close to his, yeah, right. his home. But I, I have to not 100% sure how far off the coast yeah. it is. But it makes sense that it's only being discovered now if it's 50 metres down. That's yeah. quite a way. It's, You'd have to be deliberately diving down to actually, yeah. to actually see it. Because like, think about it, 50 metres down, you're not getting, you really aren't getting a lot of light. No. Not at all. No. Mm. So I thought that was very cool. Very good insights. Yeah. Thank you, Quill. No worries. Um, shall we move on? Sure. Oh, this is a good one. I like this. I like this story a lot. Hit me. Big news in the field of sonochemistry. Ooh. Mm. And you can now ask me what is sonochemistry. Sono oh, right. <laughs> well, I kind of know. What I assume. Oh, again, you know what it is. Well, I assume by breaking down sono and chemistry, as mm -hmm. we do, sono being sound, chemistry being chemistry, that it has something to do with the way that sounds can affect the chemistry. Oh, she's very good. Oh. She's very good. Absolutely. It's looking at the effects of sound on specifically chemical reactions. Oh, yeah. Very cool. So if you think about like cooking mm -hmm. and food, that's basic, basically the utilization of chemical reactions for delicious results. Mm hmm. Delicious results are the best kind. Yeah, exactly. With delicious results. <laughs> um, so someone has decided to look at the sonochemistry of a food and they discovered something amazing. What is it? 
playing hip hop to cheese produces the best flavor. Yes, it does. <laughs> that so, is so good. It is so good, isn't it? Um, the way that they did this, it's what what uh, what university was this? I think it was the University of Bern. No, University of Bree. Bern. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. That would, be, uh, that would have been a cooler reference if it had actually been a real yeah, university. Well, so it was the Bern University mm-hmm. of the Arts and carried out by a Swiss veterinarian by day. Um, his name is Beat Wompfler. Was he full of holes? <sighs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. I will not have this. And, okay, yeah, cool. So, yeah, he basically did this experiment where he had these nine 10-kilogram cheese wheels mm. which were placed in um, these crates um, in a cheese cellar mm-hmm. and each of them was played a different 24-hour loop of a song cool. using something called transducer that effectively, like, transmits the sound waves directly into the cheese. Yeah, so they're not putting a beatbox on top of the cheese. They're actually, like, putting the actual vibrations in the Through sound. Through the cheese. Yeah, yeah cool. exactly. So... Five of these different cheeses were played completely different musical genres. Um, one of them got to listen to some techno, or I should say was subjected to techno. Uh, one got the um, the ambient dulcet tones of Yellow. Yellow. Who I love, by the way. Tied up, tied up, tied up. It's a good song. Um, one, one got the Magic Flute by Mozart. One got some Led Zeppelin. It's a whole lot of cheese. Do you feel like, in my mind, these cheeses are also wearing, like, like a rock and roll wig? Yeah, outfits. <laughs> They've got outfits on. Totally. Um, maybe we can put some fun Instagram posts up about that. We'll oh, cheese. I'm going to dress up some cheese when they get home. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, lastly, we had uh, a cheese wheel that got to listen to A Tribe Called Quest, mm. which is a hip-hop group. Nice. Are, they're actually very good. And then we got three of the other cheeses were subjected to some simple high, medium, and low frequency tones. Right. So it's just like a, sound, a sine wave. Yep. It's like a... Uh, <laughs> and then there was one control cheese that had no sound whatsoever. Just to, just hanging out. Just control cheese, yeah. yeah. I'm in control. So I wouldn't say that the sample size for this is massive. Like you'd want to actually have a, a way bigger N, N being sample size. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you wanted to like do some proper yep. science with this. Yep. Anyway, six months later... The cheeses, yeah, six months, because you've got to age them. Yeah. Yeah, to be good cheeses. Yeah. They were analysed by food technologists in a what was called a sensory consensus analysis. Ooh. Yeah. Followed by a blind taste test by (laughs) culinary experts. I like it. And um, they were basically trying to figure out, is there actually any discernible difference in taste between these different cheeses? I should add, by the way, that all of them were done, they were all made in like the same barrels in the same exact processes. The only thing that really should have changed is the fact that they were played some dope tunes. Yeah. Um, and then these these people from the Zurich University of Applied Sciences mm-hmm. concluded that the cheeses exposed to music, any kind of music, mm-hmm. had a milder flavour compared to the control cheese. Right. But that the hip-hop cheese <laughs> topped them all <laughs> in terms of fruitiness, mm. which I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of fruit I, I love in a my cheeses. Cheese. Uh, and was also the strongest in terms of smell and taste. Wow. Now, the, that's, like, that's the, the expert analysis, but then they also did a blind taste test, like I said, which basically confirmed yeah. what they'd already said. So, wow. With that's... The, yeah, so the hip-hop cheese came out on top. I, I was talking to, and we were both talking to Rusty, our colleague, about this, and he was saying that it's probably because 
hip hop has like really low bass tones. Yeah. You, know, you get those thumping like bass drum and like the boom, boom. sort of sub bass sort of stuff. Maybe that vibration through the cheese created some sort of difference in taste. You know what I'm doing right now? What is that? I'm trying to think of another cheese pun. <laughs> I can't actually concentrate. Well, you came on up with these. the wheelie good. I know. So you can have the credit on that one. <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's totally, it's a wild, wild story. I, I think, like I said, the science is not the greatest science, given that they've only done basically yeah. one experiment. One experiment. Yeah, you know, one type of but music for each cheese, but it's still so funny. It's very cool. It's so funny. Yeah, so that's really awesome. I'm going to go home and listen to A Tribe Called Quest. I'm going to go home and eat some cheese. Yeah, our powers combined. <laughs> I'm just going to go pour, put some milk in the sun. <laughs> See what happens. That's how you make cheese, right? That's very exciting. Yeah. So um, there you have it, folks. If you're making cheese in your cheese cellar yeah. at home, you know what to do. Put on a tribe called Quest. And turn the bass down low. my personal recommendation, Jurassic 5. Oh. Yeah. Maybe if, maybe if you're making an Australian cheese, mm. but hilltop hoods. The hilltop hoods. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be. It, it, it could be an Australian flavored cheese. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's a good hilltop hoods song that we can put a a pun into? Oh, there's a lot of good ones. Um, help me out here. Cheese that feeling. That's actually a good one. No, that's good because that's a really well known one song too. <laughs> now, Quill, I believe we have a fact of the week. We do. Would you like to indulge me? Fact, well, speaking of indulgence, oh really? <laughs> I'm on fire today. Uh, now, that... firstly, warning: yeah. do not try this at home. Okay, mm-hmm. it's the fact of the week. Mm-hmm. You can survive mm. for about sixty days on just potatoes. Oh god! <laughs> now, sixty days. Sixty days. Did we talk about this the other day? We it was did. Twenty. No, no. You need to eat 20 potatoes a day. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. no. So, <laughs> please remember, this is don't try this at home. This was done in a controlled environment. So, Chris Voigt, so this is a little bit of an old story, but this was something that was brought up in a discussion this week, and we thought it would be an interesting fact. Yeah. Chris Voigt, Executive Director of Washington State Potato Commission, mm-hmm. I think it was in about 2010, mm-hmm. he wanted to show people that potatoes were healthier than they were given credit for. Yeah. So, he endeavoured to go 60 days on just potatoes. Mm -hmm. And now he did this by having lots of consultations with the doctor and dietitians and these kind of things to make sure he was in perfect health before he did it. Um, He needed a lot of healthy – his kidneys need to be in really good shape because your kidneys need to process a lot of excess potassium that you're going to intake by taking at least 20 potatoes into your diet per day. Um, You also need to make sure that you are not lacking in any nutrients prior to undertaking this, i.e. especially vitamin A. Because you need that for your vision and there's not much vitamin A in potatoes. But This is horrible. But (laughs) he was able to go 60 days eating just potatoes. Oh, he actually did it? Yeah, because uh, actually, well, they're they're very cheap. They are very cheap. And they have actually got a little bit of most vitamins in them. So some things like an orange, awesome, lots of vitamin C, right? Good good amount of fiber. But that's it. Yep. Um, oh, okay, so they just have like lots of one type of vitamin. Yeah, whereas potatoes have a little bit of a lot of things. Yeah. Especially when you're eating 20 of them. Except vitamin A, if it's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there's a couple other ones it doesn't have a lot of. So obviously, if you did this for too long or if you didn't do this under the consultation of healthy doctor and all dietitians and stuff, could lead to some very serious vitamin dish deficiencies, yep. which can lead to kind of organ failures and obviously death. Mm-hmm. So it's not one to try at home, but mm. 
he did it. He did it for 60 days. 60 days. And so yeah. he ate 20 potatoes a day for 60 days. Now, I, I've just done some quick maths. Yep. Quick maths. And figured out that that is 1,200 potatoes wow. that he ate in total. And I've taken this quick maths even further and figured out that if you laid those potatoes end to end. How many football fields? 1.2. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How good is that? So 1.2 football fields worth of potatoes. Yeah, if you laid them end to end. So I'm yeah. assuming that they're about 10 centimetres. Yeah. 10 centimetres each. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Now, the, the interesting thing about this, I think, is what actually happens. A lot of people think potatoes, carbs, no nutrients, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And a lot of this is to do with the way we eat them. Ah. Right? So think about how you like potatoes. What's the favourite way to eat potatoes? I bake my potatoes. You're a baked man. Yeah. So the most common way is mash or yeah, fries. Yeah, that's so right? dull. Isn't so it? you're talking... Um, Worst way to eat them because a lot of the time they're really? boiled and all those It just sucks all the nutrients yeah, out. Yeah, right. Or they're fried. So yeah. these are not so great. So <clears throat> baked, probably better. Mm-hmm. Also um, potentially cold and in an acidic environment can also help cold? you get more nutrients. Oh, as in they're grown in a cold. And no, they're... you eat them cold. Oh, no. No, I see. Like I love potato salad. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, but yeah. yeah so anyway. Okay. I can do that. Not that we're going to be going on this diet, but just interesting facts. Yeah, don't try it at home, no. folks. Don't don't try this at home. And, and if you do, don't blame physics from. twist. Don't sue us. No. Um, that is, sounds absolutely horrific. I'll be totally honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dreadful, dreadful idea. The way I make my potatoes, I, I roast them. Mm. Or is bake, roast, whatever. Same, same. Same thing. And I basically will drench them in olive oil mm-hmm. and herbs. 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 So what you're missing here is there was no... No little extras, no little flourishes. You're and not allowed to put anything on them? Just straight just up. straight potatoes. Just potatoes. Oh, I can't imagine anything worse. Yeah. Oh. No olive oil, no garlic, no rosemary. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you know, just off the top of your head, if there are any other types of food that you could eat only that for, say, a month or two? And- um, I'm sure there would be. <coughs> I'm sure, in general, bad idea to eat only Terrible. one or something. But there would be limited numbers of days you could probably survive on things for a set yeah. number of days. Yeah. Um, that was like the Atkins diet, wasn't it? Where it was like... Well, it's not you, just one thing, though. You eat like only meat or something. No, it's just... It's high fat, I believe. Oh, okay. From memory, Atkins is high fat. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think, yeah. Um, regardless, that is absolutely disgusting. Thank you for that, Quill. And um, don't try it at home once don't again. Don't try it at home. Don't try it at home. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Well, I have one more special thing oh, for you. Yes, please. And this is to celebrate World Water Day. Mm. And since we've been talking about how wrap is so good for cheese, uh-huh. I'm going to wrap this. Yes. So you're going to need to lay so me what, down but a Hold on. Why are we wrapping? Because it is it's World Poetry Day. It's World Poetry Day as Today. well. And we love science, but boy, do we love poetry. We love poetry. We love the spoken word. We love the spoken word. And a beat. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to flick this out for you. Hell yeah. I whipped up a quick poem yep. about water. Go for it. For Poetry Day and for World Water Day. Do you want me to beatbox? Yeah. Can you beatbox for me? All right. Just let me know if I have the right tempo. Okay. All right. That's beautiful. Water shouldn't be red. It should be mostly blue because other wavelengths get absorbed and don't reflect back to you. That was terrible. <laughs> that was great. I well, your it. beatboxing was good. It was decent. Um, thanks, folks, for listening <laughs> to this episode of Physics Twist. Um, and don't forget, please rate us on iTunes if you enjoyed this yeah. podcast. What's your favourite number, Quill? I like five. I do like five. It's a great Yeah, it's great five's number. great. Um, that's how many stanzas 
My favorite poem has. Yeah. I just made that up. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And how many drops of water you need to fill your eyeball with water. Is it really? No. Okay. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, drinking eight glasses of water a day. You know that? They always used to say drink eight glasses. Nonsense. It turns out doctors now just say drink when you're thirsty. Really? Yeah, that's what they say now. I'm always thirsty. Yeah. Well, th- keep drinking Thirsty it. for knowledge. <laughs> nice. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>